Hello, my name is Tyler Town, and I will be having a conversation with Sage Leakes for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is May 17th, 2018, and this is being recorded at Sage's office in Midtown. So Sage, why don't you start by telling me a little bit about your gender and how you would describe it. My gender is, I would say trans lady, um, is generally how I describe it. Um, I'm a lady. Um, I have a very weird relationship with the term woman. Um, I'm trans, which is in relation to gender in some way, shape, or form. Uh, transgender. Um, and... Yeah, it's kind of, it, there's a part of me that might be non-binary, I don't know, but for the most part, trans lady seems to fit well. And what pronouns do you use? Uh, she, her, for now, but generally. And when and where were you born? I was born in Kingston, Pennsylvania, uh, in 1983, um, a rural, a sort of rural town uh, just outside Scranton. Um, what was that like? I uh, grew up on Long Island. Okay. So, yeah, we, my folks moved when I was five months old. Um, divorced soon thereafter. Uh, remarried soon thereafter. Um, and so I grew up on Long Island uh, with uh, four parents. Um, loving in their own way. Um, definitely, you know, took care of the the necessities and tried their hardest in terms of being able to take care of me. Uh, shelter food, all the all that stuff was was assumed. Um, and it was for me it was a challenging childhood. Um, I was always very different than what people expected me to be. Um, and and people responded to that sometimes fine, sometimes not so fine. Um, and in the end, I, I, not in the end, but like, I also had a lot of really good friends, very close friends. Um, and so I would say those people shaped my childhood and, and adolescent years more than anyone. Um, Whereas my parents were always sort of a, and my family was always sort of a, an obstacle. Um, you know, I, I say that we're often a product uh, of our environment or a reaction to, and I was definitely a reaction to Long Island. Um, and I remember being unhappy a lot. Um, I remember being grounded a lot. Uh, my grades, in some way, shape, or form, were, were you know, always suffering because I was lazy. Um, I found school to be pointless or at least the, the wanting to get grades to be pointless, um, but smart enough to kind of get through it. And eventually I tried enough to, to not get grounded anymore and played lots of Dungeons and Dragons, um, went out bike riding and found abandoned houses and 
created our own imaginary religion out of things we would see in abandoned houses. Um, and, you know, made friends, friends for life, friends I have till this day. Um, you know, it was contentious with parents, but that's kind of the way of it, right? Um, kind of my childhood in a nutshell. A little bit about your friends. Sure. Um, so, I say I had three best friends grown up. Um, H, Chris, and Mosner. Um, and they were all... I, I've known H since I was three. Um, Mosner since I was five, and Chris since I was ten. Um, each we met in nursery school, uh, the, the local Mid-Island Y. Um, and... We've been, we, we've sort of influenced how the other person developed over, I mean, we grew up, we've known each other since we were three, so like, when it comes to the core of the person, we're exceedingly similar, um, in our, and it's kind of hilarious. Um, and, yeah, like, we grew up doing sort of a lot of things, you know, a lot of various things together, including what eventually became D&D. Um, ended up living with him my last year of college, uh, and what is now his wife, uh, godmother to his child, and, you know, I was the best man at his wedding, um, and so, yeah, uh, and then Mosner, we had a sort of a contentious relationship. Uh, we got into many fights in, in elementary, middle school, and then in high school we sort of bonded. And, and with all of them, you know, it sort of remained that way since. Like, it was always that bond that lasted through college and after, and we still talk and see each other at least. Yeah, not as often anymore, but, like, it used to be at least once a year uh, I would see each of them. Now it's a little bit less. Um, and then Chris uh, came up to me the first day of fifth grade and said, hey, do you want to play this game called Dungeons and Dragons? And I said, I don't know what that is. And he gave me a brief explanation. I'm like, can I be a wizard? Yes, I will play your game. And we played Dungeons and Dragons every day at lunch there, all through middle school. And every other opportunity we, we got. Um, and that, that was that was a very formative part of my, my growing up. Um, I kind of calmed down, I think, as a result of that. I, as a kid, I was very emotional. And it would be very quick to make me very angry and very quick to get me to see red, I guess. Like, I would just blast off and do try to do terrible things to people. Um, I wasn't very effective at it, so it really wasn't that bad. Um, but I tried. Um, a few times I bit people. That wasn't good, but eventually I learned to control it. Um, mostly by getting rid of my emotions. Um, and, uh, and and in part through the influences of, of friends, um, H. Chris and Mosner being the most prominent of that. Uh, Chris and I say we traded. Uh, he got a little bit more um, chaotic, and I got a little bit more lawful, um, as it was, you know, in the indeed.
Can you tell me about an early encounter you've had with the trans community? Huh. Yes. Okay. So... This just came up the other night, actually. Last night, in fact. Um, so three years ago, I went to go see the Moon Show. Um, and maybe it was two years ago. One of those amount of years ago, I went to go see the Moon Show. Um, and which was a, a show that was um, trans, um, you know, promoting queer trans people of color. Uh, marginalized communities and, and you know all of the art that we produce um, so a friend of mine Sam was reading poetry at the moon show and I went to go support her um, this is before I knew any, I, I considered myself I think gender fluid at the time um, and but it was sort of a I felt kind of fake in that identity um, so we went out we you know uh, sorry moon show happened we went out after with a bunch of her friends um, and that evening, um, you know, we're, we're having dinner, well, that night, much later, it was like midnight at this point, we're having dinner, um, and someone gives, someone has heels, and they wind up on my feet, and I start walking along on them, I'm like, oh, this is fun, and everyone's like, why do you know how to walk in heels? And I'm like, well, so funny story about that, I've been walking in heels for years at that point, just because... I bought a pair of heels and I'd walk around them alone, but in my, you know, whatever, in my house. Um, and, and I'm like, well, I've walked in heels a few times. I kind of, it's kind of fun. Um, I probably at that point, like gender fluid something. And so people then start telling me their coming out story, their, their realization stories, what in their head, um, you know, how in their head they realized that they were trans. Cause at no point did I equivocate in my own head that, gender fluid was trans like the, that was just not a like i was just gender fluid that's fine i'm, I'm figuring this out um and so one person in particular ashley uh who was sam's girlfriend at the time told her coming out told her, her like this this sort of I, I can't even remember the story but i remember being like that's me that's me i have those feelings that is exactly that is exactly all of the things in my head. I'm like, oh, like, and there was this, it was just an oh fuck moment. Um, I, I like to say that it was a, a giant crack in my egg. Uh, and, and, and that was a very interesting evening. Um, and, and, and as a part, you know, in, as, as I touched the, the New York City trans community, um, or they touched me. Correct. When did you first uh, feel a sense of identity with New York City? Always. Um, so I grew up on Long Island, which is not far out from New York. Um, you know, I grew up 45 minutes outside the city. Um, and when I was in, when I was growing up, I always said that. I'm getting away from the city. I'm going to go live in the country. And, 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 but if I were to ever live in a city, I don't think I ever will, but if I ever live in a city, it'll, it has to be New York because there's no other city that I could live in. Like, this is, like, <laughs> that is the city. Um, and so after living about 10 years in the country, 
I realized that I can't live in the country. This, this is just driving me nuts. Um, and so I'm, you know, I, I held true to, well, if I'm going to move to the city, I'm going to move to New York. Um, and so I did. Uh, and, and it's been home ever since. Um, you know, my family's not far. My, my friends and community are all here. And it is like, like I spent, I spent 10 years away from the area, right? But like in my blood, I'm a New Yorker, true and blue. May not have been born here, but it's like every time I, I have an attitude or a thing, something comes out of my mouth, people are like, oh yeah, New York. It's like, well, yeah, fuck you. True. Can you uh, describe a moment uh, or a memory you have that really reminds you of New York? Moment or memory that reminds me of New York? Or kind of solidifies what New York is for you. New York is a lot of different worlds um, and is a lot of different people and each person has their own world. Um, the way I like to describe people often are just like, well, New York is so big and massive and, and how can you do anything or it's crazy and there's so many people doing so many things and it's so fast paced and I'm like, well, if you want it to be, yes. The thing about New York, and this is the key thing that, that always inspires me about New York is that it is many different worlds and you have to find the, your, the one world that you fit into or 14 worlds that you fit into. Um, and you find your communities, you make your communities here because there's thousands of them. There's thou and thousands of different worlds. Um, in San Francisco, you have the tech community. You know, that's what that's, San Francisco has, you know, that is what they do. They are tech. New York has a tech community, but we also have, you know, almost, you know, we have a large tech thing, we have a marketing thing, we have a, you know, Broadway, we have finance, we have a thousand other things that are more important than all of those. Um, but, and so while I've been here, I've been in three, four, five, six different communities, different worlds, and, and they fit me where I have been at the time. And... And as I've gone through my transition and as I've gone through me as a person has evolved, I've kind of drifted from from all of these communities from one into the other. And I haven't had to move my physical location. I haven't had to move jobs. I haven't had to move anything. I just choose which world and community I'm spending time with and do the things that they're doing. Um, because New York can fit all of it. And that that is wondrous. So why don't you tell me a bit about the communities that you've been a part of or are a part of? Sure. Um, so when I started, I, I joined uh, some of the, the board game, there's, there's a board game group in the West Village uh, called Neek, New York Geek. Um, it's actually where I met my current partner. Um, and and also there was a Reddit meetup uh, community I was a part of for a while. Um, from those, I drifted into the burner scene, um, folks who associate and go to Burning Man. Um, and, you know, it's sort of a raves and um, 
intoxicants of various sorts, um, and, uh, and then also the queer community, um, which has been becoming more and more a part of part of my life, I think. Um, with 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 touches to, I think, uh, the the local DSA um, as well, and I'm sure there's others I've sort of touched. But those have been sort of the main main focuses of, of where I've been able to spend my focus, like my time and energy and so on and so forth. What does the burner scene signify to you? A lot. The burner scene is how I was able to explore gender. Um, the burner scene was able, um, so the burner scene, there's ravey things, right? There's places where people go, you know, raves that happen not infrequently, where you can go and you, you get dressed up in a very fabulous way. Whatever that way is, it's up to you, but if you look fabulous, people appreciate it. They don't care what you, and, and so I got to explore all sorts of different presentations and makeup and fun things, and people were like, wow, that's fabulous. And people appreciated that, like, they had no idea I was doing that to explore gender. They had, all, they just like, you're pretty, or you're amazing, or whatever, and it was great. Um, and, you know, in, in those places, there were, you know, you'd have a rave and have cuddle puddles and various intoxicants that made everything feel real great, and it was real nice. Um, but it was, it was a way to try to figure things out. Um, and it was, I found a, a, a group within that who were safe and who were protective. The kittens of chaos. Um, and who, with it, even within that scene, were very, um, were, were a safe space for me to figure this stuff out or try to figure this stuff out. Um, and, and sort of adjacent to both of those, to, to the burner community is the kink community and the, the poly community, which were sort of also loosely associated um, with that. Uh, although they're, they're separate, they're just, there's a lot of overlap of the people who go into that, and that was true for me as well. Because um, I completely forgot about those until right now. Yeah. So how about the kink community? How has that influenced Um, Kink and, and Bernard influenced me in two ways. Um, kink also allowed me to be more expressive with, with gender things, because I could be all sexy and femmy and walk in heels as often as I wanted while he's there. Um, both also were pretty prominent in the way it developed in my brain in terms of consent. Um, and it sort of both helped detoxify my brain. Um, there was a lot of bullshit that I bought into um, male, like, male socialized bullshit of this just, what, what is a man, and what is a, uh, you know, what does that mean for me, and what do I have to act like in order to be that person? And both those scenes started to help make me realize that I don't want to be this thing that I thought I should be. Um, you know, it, it helped me reimagine, um, you know, that... The things that I feel and the person that I am don't necessarily have to collide. Um, and so it just took a few years to 
you know, that that's still a process, right? Like there's still, I'm still detoxifying my brain. I'm still getting a lot of this just sort of like, oh, ew, stuff out um, that I bought into for decades. Um, I didn't realize I did. I didn't want to, but I did. And so um, consent was a big component of that, you know, learning the nuances of consent um, helped sort of make me understand just gave me a clear defined terminology and verbiage to things I already knew um, I just couldn't put into words um, in addition to letting me you know wear booty shorts really important booty shorts yeah, those booty shorts. yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you met your partner at Meek. So why don't you tell me a bit about your partner? Uh, so my partner is Desi. Um, they are amazing and wonderful and patient and kind and ridiculously honest um, and and ridiculous. Um, I met Desi at Neek three years ago. Um, randomly playing a board game, um, and we started going out to lunch because we were close to each other, and they asked me out, and I was like, well, all right, wait, step back. So before that, I was dating a, a lady named Mickey, uh, dated Mickey for 10 months, and then she broke up with me, um, which broke my heart, like, I, I was a a puddled mess after Mickey, um, and and I didn't really know how to process those emotions. But it was the first time in my life that I I truly cried a lot. Um, so I felt a lot of emotions, and it was I think also the first time in my life I allowed myself to feel those emotions. Um, Mickey was also the first person I came out to. Um, I didn't know what I was coming out to her as, but Mickey identified as a lesbian. Um, but she was, you know, we hooked up one night and. We were both found each other attractive, and so we dated for a little while. And Mickey, and I think because she identified as a lesbian and she identified strongly with with that component of herself, I felt comfortable and and be like, well, I like wearing lady clothes. How do you feel about that? with sexy times? How do you feel about that? And she's like, fuck yeah. Um, and so it was. And so, and, and that acceptance, and we also started doing kink things, and, and so that, and both of those, the acceptance of both of those things, um, when Desi asked me out, I'm like, well, that sounds great, except I like kink things, and I don't think that you would be into that, so I don't really want to lead you on in that thing, and Desi's like, well, tell me about kink things, and I was like, well, okay, kink things, um, and this is like, that sounds fascinating. You should show me all of that. And I was like, huh. Well, and then I think I set it up that we went out to a movie. I, I set, phrased it in a way that it'd be lots of people. It was only us. We ended up going to Central Park and we kissed. Um, I think I was at, and 
it was cute. We dated for a few months. I broke up with them. Uh, and, and she was real pissed. And so as we're walk, you know, as we're walking back, sitting down at the, at the stoop of my, my apartment. Um, and he looks at me and says, well, I mean, breaking up, fair enough. Um, but can we still have sex? And I was like, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I will maybe, maybe, maybe. And two weeks later, I was like, yeah, sure. And so we hooked up for a while and eventually that stopped and figured the relationship would be over. I'd never see them again. And we became best friends. Um, eventually we started having sex again. Eventually I developed feelings and we started dating again. And we've been dating since December of last year, the year before last year, shit of 2016. Um, and through the entirety of that, um, in whatever component I have been in, in terms of presenting femme or whatnot, uh, they have been accepting of, um, and encouraging and all of the things. Um, I don't think I would be where I am today uh, without that support. Um, yeah. And so, no, it's amazing. What's it like being in a relationship with someone who also is the same? Um, wonderful. Uh, when we started dating, it was like, we started dating basically around the same time I decided I was trans. Um, maybe a little bit after, but like they were, they were all there for all of those discussions. Um, you know, and they were able to kind of help me through it and vice versa as they were figuring out their own gender. Uh, which is gender fluid. Same deal. Like, I was able to be like, yeah, that feeling, I know that feeling. I mean, I know it in a slightly different way, but yes. Like, we're able to, there, there are these fundamental things that we both just understand, that, that all trans people just sort of fundamentally understand. Um, you know, when your body feels real weird and wrong, when you're like, well, you know, uh, like, being misgendered, just how wrong it feels and how frustrating it is to, to have it and um or when it's something that is seemingly inane um be really important and having that in intrinsic empathy it, it's incredible um it, you know, in addition to the normal relationship support, it's it's sort of a, a deeper, I feel like it's a deeper level of understanding, but I have a very poor basis of comparison. Um, but, yeah. So... You know, we get to compare and contrast what it's like. What is my brain on E versus my brain on T? What is my brain on E versus my brain on T? Like, 
like all of these things sort of um, you know you get to sort of compare notes um, you know I was socialized this way I was socialized this way that's because like in a, you get to really dive into these weird nuances of you know the way your brain was versus your brain now versus you know just the reality of the world and that world telling us we're one thing and both of us individually being like fuck you and and also to each other hey fuck you yes please Uh, how about we just pause for a little bit yeah and yeah so now I just want a queer communist utopia and I'll be glorious um yeah so yeah so can you tell me a bit about the work that you do in DSA and the queer caucus in particular um uh, I work, I do, I don't do that much, honestly, like, I do some, you know, you, you kind of choose your level of involvement, and, um, but um, I've helped with some organizing type stuff within the Queer Caucus in, in its foundation, um, and sort of, um, and then within the Grievance Committee, which is a developing a grievance process for the DSA. Um, if people uh, take issue with other people, um, a process by which those grievances can be redressed and ideally people can get along a little better. Um, sometimes people do shitty things. Sometimes people just do less shitty things and need to be talked to. Other times they need to be removed um, because they make it not a safe space and there's a lot of opinions surrounding how that works um and so a lot of people in power a lot of people who are used to being in power used people who are used to having whatever system they're in work for them are always very push don't like grievance processes because it means that they can't be as well protected when they fuck up um it's funny when you look at a grievance process and you're like, well, is this going to help me or is this going to, or am I afraid of, of being targeted by it? And if you're afraid of being targeted by it, then perhaps you should do some thinking um, rather than uh, feeling better with it being in place. And what's that like being one of the arbiters of I, so I'm not like right now we're just designing the process we haven't actually implemented it yet and and it's just at this point more conceptual um, I'll let you know when it happens yeah. so what is it like being involved in activist work with your partner or alongside your um, it's nice because we get to support each other. Um, now it's a lot of a lot of team type of stuff, especially when me and my partner tend to balance each other out. 
um, they're really organized. They're really um, uh, sort of very sort of uh, matter of fact, straightforward, and and good at sort of keeping in touch with people. Um, I tend to be more gregarious, more more outgoing, more louder. Um, you know, uh, I tend to be be able to talk to people easier. Um, and so I'll talk to people easier and then they'll keep that, keep that connection, um, between the two of us. Um, but it also means that we, you know, it's a little bit less stress for each of us because we can rely on the other, um, because we utilize each other where that happens. Um, except when we disagree, which isn't often, but... Can you tell me a little about your experience with friends and family post coming out? Complicated. Um, I got really lucky in in that both my friends and my family have at least said they're supportive. Like they may not know how to support me or what that means, but they're at least in theory, supportive of whatever it is that I'm doing with myself and my gender. Um, my three best friends all were like, yeah. Like, H was like, sure, okay, go nuts, I don't care. You'll be a godmother now, deal with it. I've decided this for you. I was like, thanks. Um, hell, he even offered to come help take care of me for the first few weeks after surgery. Like. I had no idea how to respond to that. Um, you know, one, one of my best friends voted for Trump um, and was like, I don't know how to respond to it. Like, like he, he, he didn't know how to respond to it, but just like, listen, you're you, whatever. So, and, and so I got nothing but support. My parents were confused. Um, my mom and my stepfather were, were mostly supportive. Um, they've had moments where it's been weird and it's taken them a while to adjust, but are otherwise fine. Um, my father is the same, taking him a while to adjust, but otherwise he's fine. Um, my stepmother has responded poorly, um, in only so much as, uh, she, there is an etiquette within trans culture. Uh, if somebody fucks up your name or your pronouns, is you correct them. It doesn't matter who, where, or why. This is a thing that is done. Um, and she took issue with it at one point when towards the beginning. Um, and, and, and the way that happened happened in a way that, that, that she wasn't terribly happy with. Um, and so... It's put a strain on things as it, like it's just sort of escalated and put a strain on things because being able to communicate with her has been very hard because in trying to communicate with her in the first time, there was a notion put forth to me that I should be thankful I'm not getting kicked out. I should be thankful that she's accepting of me. Where in my mind, that is the bare minimum. 
you know, while I am truly thankful of all of the people in my life who are accepting, um, if any one of them wasn't, they would be cut out of my life completely from now unto eternity. Like, in coming out, that was, in my mind, that was, here are my minimums. Here's my bare minimum. And if you don't like it, get out. I've, I've had to do that a few times, but not enough, not where it's like a thing. But in coming out, I, I was privileged enough to be in a position where I could. Um, I wasn't financially dependent on anybody. Um, I wasn't emotionally, I had my support networks that were outside of, of my family in particular, and my friends, the ones that I had, I knew would be relatively supportive. Like they're all like New York City liberal folk, you know. Um, and it, and so I knew going in with my family that whatever my minimum requirement was, that there was a chance that I would lose those people in my life. Maybe forever, maybe for a time, um, whatever that might be. And I had to be okay with that. Um, and I was, and, um, and so, you know, my stepmother's put a strain on, on that. Not, not so much as where I'm going to cut her out at any point, but she doesn't seem to understand, um, certain acceptable methods of communication and certain things you just, you don't say, you don't, I'll be thankful for people, but not because they're doing the bare minimum. You're thankful for people because they're supportive and wonderful. And how has coming out uh, been in your office? Great. Um, I work for a small uh, IT consulting company in Midtown, um, owned by a dude um, who basically is, is an absolute ruler of the company or would be if he was not so chill. Um, and basically like, like there was no official way to do it. We didn't have an HR. And so I kind of knew the people and through the people in the company that I knew and was friendly with or friends with, um, I was able to talk to the owner and, or, or have trusted, you know, trusted colleagues speak to the owner on my behalf. In order, like, I was able to gauge the situation and, and gauge feedback for how it would be received first. Um, and I was lucky enough that I had a position in the company where I'm very valued. Like, I'm an engineer. I do really good work. I make the company lots of money for, for my skill set and my services. And, and I've been doing it in this company for, for a bunch of years now. So people like me and, and are, are really, you know, okay with, like, in having that, um, job like sort of job security i guess that's not a bad, bad way to put it a job um i'm good at what i do period like in new york in particular if you're good at what you do people don't seem to give a shit um which is unfortunate with a lot of assholes but for me it was it was to my advantage and i'm usually not an asshole so it worked out um and so the owner was like yeah i support you 110 percent 
Um, you know, we went out to, to lunch, we're having drinks, I support you 110%. I have no, I don't know any trans people. I don't know any of this stuff. There's going to be some, some mistakes, and so I, I hope you're going to be patient with that. It's like, yeah, sure. Ask your questions. And like, and I got questions that were asked, and some of them were inappropriate, um, and most of them weren't. And, and the ones that were inappropriate were, I was like, all right, well, first, that's an inappropriate question. Don't, don't, don't generally ask that. But here's 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 the deal, and 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 it worked out. Um, I was given control over my own narrative in coming out. Um, they they we we have a an outsourced HR company as a whole, so they consulted that outsourced HR company to sort of be able to develop policies and procedures around it. Um, and then I sent an email. I sent an email out to my company, and that email had an FAQ in there. It was like. Life changes and a change of name and blah, 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 blah. And, and lots of links to resources that other people could look at. And it took people a little while to adjust. Most of the people in my company do not know any other trans people. Um, everybody was accepting. Um, the people I was worried about, totally accepting. Um, and... It was, it was good. It was surprising. It was, the first week was just, I put so much stress on myself, I got depressed. Just because it was like, I had so much worry and anxiety. I just like, I got real sad about it. Um, I was real nervous, especially in terms of clothing. Um, I wore a wig for a little while just because I had no idea what to do. That was dumb. Wings are stupid. Um, that's not true. For me, they're stupid. For other people, they're great. Um... But, and, yeah, and so, and then apparently that letter is now in a show. Like somebody, like I got interviewed by someone who was interviewing women in tech and they used my coming out letter as a part of their, their, their show, which, yeah, it's really adorable and wonderful. Um, and, uh, and then I met the actress who was playing me in this, because they have this sort of like, like they have people reading all these things. Um, and it's a, it's a trans actor and, and like, they were just sort of like, because they listened to my interview and then they get to meet me, they get like freaked out. And, yeah. And that's what happened. Um, and, 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 and that was kind of lovely as well. Um. And in the end now, no one really, like, I've gone to client sites, I've gotten misgendered at client sites, and it, like when I first came out it was really hard to correct people, um, and now I'm rather ruthless about it. Um, but nobody needs correcting anymore, so that's real nice. Um, I think people screwed up once in a blue moon, and if they screwed up they always realize. So, whatever. Work is now work again. It's, I'm overworked. Get paid decently enough. I'm lucky enough to have that in, be in that position. They still like me, apparently. And, uh, yeah. Work.
So what has your experience been with accessing medical transition? Lucky. Um, I have good insurance. My, my company uh, has an HR company that has negotiated benefits on behalf of 200,000 people. So the benefits here are actually really good. Um, I have a, several plans to choose from and they, they cover, I haven't had an issue. You know, I made an appointment at Colin Lord, uh, a local New York, one of the, the premier LGBTQ, and by premier I mean one of like the, the only LGBTQ clinics in, in New York City. Um, in so much as they focus on LGBTQ folk, and I got an appointment, and six weeks later, they're like, all right, blood work. Two weeks later, they're like, all right, here's some hormones. You sure you want to do this? All right. And like, it's been frustrating in so much, in so much as if an appointment gets canceled, I can't make another one for another six weeks because they're all overbooked. They're all way overbooked. Um, but it's also, um, I got lucky in so much as even my doctor quit a month after I started and I got transferred to the Midtown Clinic instead of the Bronx Clinic. Um, jealous. Um, and so my doctor's office is now 10 to 15 blocks away from my office. Holy crap. And then the, the surgical center I'm going to at Mount Sinai is another 10 blocks from my, it's also 10 blocks from my office right in Midtown. So like, I'm really lucky that all of the resources that I need to find my medical care are within a 15 minute walk of my office. Um, and most of it, and it's covered by insurance. You know, it's a pain and there's hoops to jump through in that, but like my, my, my monthly estrogen gets covered by insurance, my PCP, my blood work. So like I got, I had, in terms of, trans things i hit the jackpot because it's been it's been pretty decent um you know the worst that i got is an appointment i missed an appointment they couldn't reschedule for six weeks they canceled that appointment and didn't tell me until i get walked in and then we got you know i couldn't reschedule for another seven weeks but i'm also lucky in so much as i don't i have I'm pretty hardy, have a pretty high constitution. And so my body has responded fairly well to hormones. Um, you know, I don't have, a, I don't have any, any issues. So privilege and luck. What aspects or spaces of the New York City trans community do you really like or surround yourself with? People. Um, I've surrounded myself with people, trans people in particular, queer people less so. Um, I have found within the last year my my primary association has gone from from the burner scene 
to to queer folk, um, mostly queer burners actually, um, or or people associated with a little bit, you know, with a foot in each world. Um, like there's the LGBTQ, the LGBT center in Manhattan and. That one is, it seems real fancy, but I haven't really, there's not a whole lot to do there in terms of trans folk. Um, there is a trans support group run by my friend Robin, um, who I met in, at a festival, at a burner festival last year, um, that has been really helpful. Um, the good stuff grows. And um, that has been a big part of, of helping me deal with the world um, and just finding more. It, it's funny, the longer I've been out, the longer I exist in the world as a trans lady, the more queer people who enter my life and stay there. Um, and at some point or another, you need to prioritize the people in your life. No, that's not true. Like, it's not about priority, it's just about who, who kind of, it happens, right? Um, and so, yeah. Um, and so now most of the spaces I go to, ideally, are queer spaces. That's not always true, but I'm finding myself attracted to them more. there's one thing that you'd like the world to know, one thing that you'd like to say, what would that be? There is no one right way. Um, Everyone has so many different ways to live in this world. And whatever works for you might work for other people, might not. But understanding that what does work for you may not work for other people. And accepting that as an okay thing. Our, our world is structured in such a way that there is a right way and there is a wrong way. And our world is designed to support the right way. You know, the, this world is designed to support, you know, for a long time, one man and one woman in a marriage. Um, and, you know, now it's designed to support one person and one person in a marriage. But who says that's the right way? Like, you know what? It's hard to find happiness, like, and that's all we're all trying to chase is happiness for ourselves and for the people we care about. And if people find that happiness, as long as that does not impede the happiness of others, let them. And perhaps if something that you're doing is impeding the happiness of others, it's okay to change. It's okay to admit when you're wrong. 
God knows I've been wrong more often than not. Get there somehow. Thank you so much, Sage. Thank you.